0: You are listening to Jai Long and this is Make Your Break, episode 125. Today, I'm speaking with entrepreneur, editor and founder of Together Journal, Greta Kenyon. So if you don't know who Greta is, she is A big personality in the wedding photography space because, well, actually just in the wedding space because she has this amazing magazine that really is new, innovative, it's creative, it's authentic, and it really celebrates all types of love from all over the world. And I really, really love it. And it also showcases so many amazing creatives in the wedding industry as well from all over the world. So I personally have been published in her magazine quite a few times and my clients always love it when they see... You know, their photos showing up in a magazine as amazing as Together Journal. So today, we're not really talking about Together Journal, though. We're more so talking to and about being an entrepreneur and talking to Greta about, I guess, her career and how she's pivoted from so many different jobs, but then becoming a wedding photographer itself and then turning and doing something as big as a wedding, an international wedding magazine. Something like that always gets me so interested because I'm like, hey man, I'm a wedding photographer. Could I do something like this? Something as big and ambitious. And also what limiting beliefs did she have to get over? Uh, How does it feel for her to do something so big and so ambitious? And all the little things in between. So. Again, I'm really excited about today's episode. I believe everybody's going to get a lot from it because it doesn't matter if you're trying to do something as big as running an international wedding magazine or you're just a wedding photographer or you're a designer or you're a dress designer, like whatever it is, right? Right like success always leaves clues. And so it's so good to get into the room and listen to others that are doing something so incredible that are following their passions. So she talks about changing careers. She talks about how she's used her skills going across all careers and how she's honed into those. She talks a little bit about being a mother and an entrepreneur at the same time and what that looks like. And at the end, we dive in a little bit and I talk about, well, I ask the questions like what do we need to do to have the best chance possible to get featured in a magazine like Together Journal? So I think you're going to get a lot from it, a lot of inspiration in there and then practical tips as well. So look out for those. Now, before we get started, you know the drill. I want to share with you the Wedding Photography Summit. We're currently right now working on it. We're working our butts off on the Wedding Photography Summit. So excited about it, myself and the whole team. It's the main thing that we're putting all our focus into. And if you don't know what it's all about, you need to head over to WeddingPhotographySummit.com. Join my mailing list because you're going to be the first person to get all the information about the Wedding Photography Summit. And uh, it's going to be a vibe. It is huge. It's going to be the biggest event that we've ever done. And it's going to be, I think, you know, a lot of people don't realize this. A lot of people don't realize this, especially for the wedding photography space. In 2022, there is going to be, I think it was 2.2 million weddings booked in, right? Which we haven't had that kind of volume since, I think it was 1989. I was looking at the charts the other day. Now, don't quote me on that. I think it's around about that might be 1988 or something, but It just goes to show the volume of weddings coming up and how much work is going to come up. So we need to make sure we're best positioned with the right strategies, with the right mindset. And I think the Wedding Photography Summit is the thing that's really going to help us get ready for such a big year ahead of us. So I hope that you're in front of that tidal wave and you can surf it all the way into shore. Now, head over to the summit.com, Put your name on that wait list. There are things that we'll sell out. we got front row seats. Plus, I have something else that's an extra bonus that only goes to the first people that buy their tickets, which are $7. And you need to be on that wait list because the pre-sale is going to open up to you before everybody else. Now, that's it. If you like today's show, you can find myself at jylong.co. You can find Greta over at Together Journal, both on Instagram. You can say hello. And I hope you enjoy today's episode. <laughs> so I'm talking to Greta right now. If you didn't know, she is the founder and CEO of Together Journal, which is a worldwide, but born in New Zealand, wedding bridal magazine. And i um, so excited to talk to you. How are you?
1: I'm good, Jai. Thank you for having me. It's really nice to be here.
0: You know, I think I've had you on my list for a long time to get you on here. And um, I think ever since I met you, when I met you about two years ago, maybe three I years think
1: ago. It, I think it's actually COVID distorts time. I think it I was know. like three or four when you came four over. Four years ago. You did that beautiful shoot for us.
0: That was so cool. Um, yeah. Actually, I would love to tell a story about that shoot later on because it's kind of got a bit of context with a few people that were at the workshop that I was doing over in Auckland Uh, at the time.
1: Yeah, it was It's still one of my favorite shoots. It was really kind of low-fi but really beautiful.
0: It was so much fun. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about your, I guess, entrepreneurial journey because I know there's a lot of people right now listening to my podcast that are creative entrepreneurs And it looks different for everybody. You know, sometimes that we could be wedding photographers, we could be designers, sometimes we transition into bigger projects, into different projects. Sometimes when we take on bigger projects, it takes on its own life and it changes to what we thought it was going to be to what it is today. So I know you're going to have a lot of perspective on exactly this.
1: Yeah. I've had many varied careers. So I went to art school when I left secondary school and I studied photography and graphics and design. And then I ended up moving to London and working in investment banking for quite a few years. (laughs) So straight out of art school and um, New Zealanders and Australians had a really good reputation overseas. Everybody wanted to employ us because we were hardworking and picked things up quickly. So I ended up kind of falling into Merrill Lynch, which was at the time the biggest investment bank Um, in the world, and working on a really big project, which went for about three years. And they actually ended up sponsoring me to stay in the UK. And then the financial recruitment company that I was working through, I had a really good relationship with them. They actually ended up hiring me to come back to New Zealand and help them start up Parker Bridge Financial Recruitment in New Zealand, which went really well. And then the same company, Parker Bridge, took me out to Ireland to start up the Irish. Um, So I've had quite a lot of experience with starting up businesses in completely different markets. So I worked um, in financial services for, I don't know, about six or seven years. So it was very commercial, very business orientated. I was interviewing like CEOs and accountants all day long, even though I had this arts background. And then I ended up Going across to because I had really good project management skills and kind of startup skills. I ended up um, moving over into the fashion industry, which I've always loved. And I worked as a brand manager in fashion for. First of all, for a house that had quite a few high street brands underneath it. And then I moved over client side to one of the one of New Zealand's at the time biggest fashion companies. They're not around anymore, but they would kind of probably be a bit like witchery if I had to give you an Australian example. And I worked with them for about eight years as a buyer and brand manager, traveling the world and picking trends and putting um, design programs into production. And I really, really loved it. It was like my dream job and I ended up leaving because I had two babies very, very quickly. My two eldest children are only 16 months apart, and I did try to travel after having the first one, but then I became pregnant really quickly, and I had essentially a newborn baby, and I was pregnant, and at the time was meant to be doing five round-the-world trips each year, as well as going to China to book production. So it just, it really didn't work (laughs) with two babies in tow, and it was at that time that I'd been, I had become married in the last three years and a lot of my friends were getting married and I had always kept my photography up from when I studied at art school and I loved it. And a lot of my friends are very modern and creative and they didn't want, perhaps at the time, this is this is going back like um, how long have we been married, kind of 13 years ago. There weren't that many young, dynamic people in our photography market. It was kind of older people that have been around for quite a while and very talented but quite a different style to what I liked and what my friends liked. So I had friends kind of just start to ask me to shoot their weddings. And I shot very similar to the way that I guess the Together Journal market or photographer would shoot like quite documentary style. I just let things happen and documented the day. And there was quite a wave of new photographers coming through about the same time doing the same thing as me. People like Bailey and Moore and Danalba Bohane and Coralie Stone and, you know, yourself included that this wave kind of hit the market. And I worked as a wedding photographer for about... Oh gosh, it was about seven or eight years. I had my my next my third daughter, my third child. My, I've got two sons and one daughter, and the whole time it was kind of bugging me because I had this marketing background that there was no platform or magazine that I really could connect with. And I, at the time, had been working with Kinfolk magazine and doing some photography and event stuff for them. And I was really inspired by their magazine. And I kind of thought, why is no one doing this for weddings on the scale that they're doing it and the kind of vibe that they're doing it in? And I actually spoke to them about it. They were really lovely. They were kind of in startup mode at the time. And they were incredibly helpful and encouraged me to launch Together Journal and with no magazine background and no idea of really what I was doing. I, and with the support of some of the people that I just mentioned before, as well as others, I just launched this magazine into the market and it kind of just took off.
0: That's so incredible. Like It's so interesting. I want to ask you a couple of questions. Yeah. For instance, with investment banking, right? do you feel like you have some skills that transferred over to your new business and over to other businesses? And then from the fashion, have you got some skills that you learned? You said like project management, things like that. Are there things that you use all came together and you use for your new business growing, even though you didn't know anything to do with the magazine industry, you could lean on those things?
1: A hundred percent. So I would say that building a magazine is very much like building a fashion range. So you design the range or you design the magazine, um, you're working three months in advance and then you put it into production. So it's either garments or it's magazines and that constant deadline and that pressure environment and having that creative commercial eye is almost identical you're just dealing with a different product it also enables me to about I have a lot of fashion clients and I can really um, identify with them and I know what they're going through they like that I've come from that background and then same with financial services essentially I was a salesperson starting up those businesses and working in investment banking as well and probably 90% of my time during, you know, any given week, I'm selling. People don't probably realize how much I'm selling. They're like, oh, it must be so fun having this beautiful (laughs) magazine. And it is, but most of it is on the phone, on the email, meeting with people, selling, selling, selling to make it actually financially viable.
0: See, not many people know that most businesses really is 90% sales and selling. You know, like it really is even for myself, People don't realize how much selling is involved because for instance, if I'm right now and I'm just a hobby podcaster, I have to sell myself and the podcast to you to get Mm. you onto my podcast. So a lot of us, we cringe about sales and we hate sales and we hate what it means and all this kind of stuff. But we forget how important it is to have those people skills and have those actual sales skills to be able to, I guess, move the needle in your direction and to get a project off the ground.
1: I totally agree. I think you have to be really hungry and I think you have to really enjoy the challenge of making a sale as well. Like I'm I'm quite a competitive person. I try to only compete with myself and like, you know, what I built last month or how can I be better? But I think you need to have a bit of a competitive drive or a lot of a competitive drive to make a
0: business work. I love that. So for you, let me dive in a little bit deeper here. So you started this magazine because you've seen a gap in the market and you were just like sort of frustrated that it was like, Hey, there's nothing for me to use for my marketing right now. And there's no platform and it doesn't really make sense for such a booming industry and where we are. Were you driven to make that choice to create something like this out of there's a gap in the market and that's what you want to do for the community? Or was it driven of like, here's a project that I believe is going to fulfill me in some way. And I can like create more than what I'm creating right now. So is the why like the community thing or was the why like, Hey, look, this is what I want to do.
1: I think it was definitely a combination of both. Like I and right in my heart, I'm a very entrepreneurial person and I had done two financial startups for somebody else. And I'd also done a software startup for somebody else as well, which I hadn't mentioned. And I loved it. And I knew that I wanted to do something for myself, but I just I really struggled with trying to find what that was. I got really frustrated for a couple of years and I was like, well, maybe I should do a fashion line or maybe I should do this. And nothing felt quite right. And people kept saying to me, I had a few mentors and stuff at the time. And they said, just wait, the thing will come like, and you'll know. And it kind of did. I thought, well, I'll just bide my time. My children are young. I'll keep shooting weddings. It's really enjoyable. I'm doing well. And then all of a sudden it was like, of course, it's a media platform and it's where all my skills can kind of come together so there's a need and I had a lot of friends in the industry and I love you know loved the industry so much so it just kind of all worked and all came together so it was both twofold
0: what do you love about the entrepreneurial spirit like what is it that draws you in to that world
1: I think I just really love a challenge. I'm very probably achievement orientated for my own goals. Like, you know, I want to build this much or I'll see a brand and I'll be like, I really want to get them on board. Or if somebody doesn't come on board, like in a particular industry. Like a challenge. I, well, yeah, but I'm also like, right, I'm going to get everybody else in the industry on board and show them that they need to be there. Yes. Like it's kind of, I've, I've done, I played a lot of sports growing up at quite a high level. And it's just in me that, This kind of I love a challenge.
0: I love that so much. And I have to be honest with myself. I probably thrive with the exact same thing. And And when I get a no, it's like, how can I make it a yes?
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. And it's taken me a long time to be comfortable with actually saying I am a competitive person and I'm not going to apologize for that. Because it does have negative connotations as well. And it can be negative if you don't channel it in the right direction. You have to, I think, make sure that you are only competing with yourself and you have quite clear goals and that you're not too worried about what anyone else is doing in the industry. Like you have to, I guess, keep it kind and keep it mm-hmm. right. But yeah, I've, I always kind of shied away from saying it, but deep down, just fiercely competitive. And that's probably why it works.
0: I think that's so interesting. And I don't think many people talk about it because I know for myself, People have called me a workaholic my whole life and they call me obsessed. And I feel like I've always sort of, after a while you get this story in your head and this narrative that this is a negative thing. And then you're trying to put out your flame to fit other people. But when you become free is when you realize that it's like, Hey man, I know that maybe I should be apologizing for this, but like, Hey, I'm competitive and I am obsessed and I love doing this stuff. And that's just who I am and i think it's it's so freeing when you no longer apologize for those things that you know that like makes you so happy
1: I totally agree with that. And I remember having a moment of that myself about two years ago, especially being a mum as well. Like everybody talks about this balance, you know, you've got to have balance, you've got to have work yeah. balance, mom balance, but there's no such thing Fuck I don't think for me, there's no balance. <laughs> and then I kind of thought about it and like, you know, I was like, but hang on a minute. I work every weekend, I work every night, but I love it. Like, And it's usually mm-hmm. the fun things that I'm doing in the weekends too. Like I go hard out on the business and the sales during the week. And in the weekends, it's often when I do like the layout and the photography and the fun mm-hmm. thing, So I actually genuinely really enjoy it. And I went, hang on a minute, this is my hobby as well. And I'm not going to find a balance. I'm going to find a merge that works really well for me. Yes. So I take my kids on shoots. I teach them stuff. I was teaching one of my sons to use zero the other day. I get them to do the links in the digital magazines. And I'm like, this is cool. Like I'm working, but my kids are also doing something. I'm also teaching them about business. This is a positive thing. And I, it is working for me and I like it
0: there's so much freedom to that because there's so much outside influence that tells you that you're doing the wrong thing. You should be working a nine to five. You shouldn't be working on weekends, like whatever it is. And I know for myself, like I freed myself when I decided, that, Hey man, I'm just going to take back my life. And I'm doing the things that I want to do when I want to do it, how I want to do it with who I want to do it. Mm. And I can do it all the time if I want to. And I realized like, You become so free because you don't mind taking a Monday off. You don't mind taking Tuesday afternoon off to go and see someone. You no longer feel guilt that you're not working and hustling the five days a week because it's ebbs and flows and things kind of just work around your life and you've built your life to work around your business. So you're no longer stuck to other people. What other people's definition is of balance.
1: I totally agree. I mean, my working week is I work really strange hours. So I'll often get up in the morning and, and knock off an hour and a half of work before the kids get up. And then I will take them to school every morning. And then when they're at school, I will work. And three days a week, I, I'm there to pick up my daughter, my youngest, and I'll hang out with the kids, you know, the three of them after school, chat, whatever. And then at about four, so I'll take you know, a couple of hours off between like three and five, I'll do dinner or whatever. And then I'll work again in the evenings. And I'm, I'm really happy to do that because I want to be there at school. School pickup, I want to take the day off to go to sports day, or I don't know, maybe see a girlfriend that's come up to Auckland for the day. And that's fine because I know I worked on Sunday. And like you said, I'm not going to feel guilty about it.
0: I'd love to dive into this a tiny little bit because I have a big community. I've got a lot of entrepreneurs in my community. And a lot of people get stuck around the balance of being a mum or a father in this world and you just spelling it all out like that is um, it's so interesting. And I know so many people are going to have like epiphanies, even though it seems so simple. Right. But yeah. I think a lot of people are going to go, Oh, okay. So, cause here's the thing that I see. I see a lot of people holding themselves back and say, yeah, but I've got obligations. So I've got to drive my kid to school. So I can't start a big business, but mm. then I see other people, you know, kind of like your prime minister of the whole country there. Yeah. Um, so many amazing people that merge their parenthood with their entrepreneurship And they do it so well. And it's almost, uh, it's not effortless because obviously from the outside, like, yeah, it is, but I don't get to see what happens all the time. But can you tell me a little bit about being an entrepreneur and as a parent and how you navigate that?
1: Yeah. Well, I think, first of all, I'm really lucky that none of my children, that they're all healthy and that they don't have extra um, things that I have to put extra time into. So, you know, everybody is different and everybody has different problems. And I'm very, very aware of that. I've been really lucky with my kids. Their health has always been really good, which has kind of enabled me to drag them around everywhere and bring them (laughs) to work. And I mean... I used to take, not not so much now, my sons have just started, well, my eldest son has just just started college. So obviously his education is becoming more and more important. He's at a higher level, but the younger ones, like I would often take them out of school for a week and take them down to Queenstown with me to, you know, wedding fairs and things like that, or take them away on shoots and they would just fit in. And they they really love it. And I love Mm -hmm. that they see me working as well. And obviously it's appropriate for me to do that in my job because I'm not like on a construction site or, you know, something that's not appropriate to take children too it's all very safe and the community that I work with all know them really well and you know I can leave them with friends on set who might be other photographers or stylists or whatever so it feels like a family so I'm very lucky that I can do that and I do acknowledge that not everybody can do that in the industries but I just think that they've become really resilient and they don't Mind change that much I love that they see myself and my husband both working and it's very very equal in the yep. house as well as at work like he does just as much housework as me I don't actually let him cook because he's not a great cook but <laughs> 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 we've got this, he does the dishes I cook kind of thing going I'm a bit of a control freak in the kitchen but yeah I love that it's becoming and it should have should have been like this you know years ago but it wasn't um, I love that it's becoming so equal for parents I love that
0: of course. And do you think like, um, you just said like you took your kids out of school and things like that. And and I don't, don't know if you know about my background, but I did a lot of homeschooling, but my parents always took me out of school to go and do whatever adventures the, going on. The
1: things that they learn with me, you know, at the, at the young age, exactly. obviously, that it's going to be appropriate, but you know, like, I mean, we have often taken them out of school for, you know, six weeks and taken them to Bali or taken them down South skiing for three or four weeks in term time we make sure that they read and they keep up and we do a little bit with them as well. But I just think, you know, they're only little for such a short time. So I want to spend mm. time with them. I want to show them the world. Um, I want to teach them yeah. stuff. And in a way, I mean, we're in our fifth week of lockdown now in Auckland, which I know is very mild compared to Melbourne and many other places in the world. Um, but it's, it's our second one now. And I think, again, I do acknowledge that, you know, we're lucky. We're, you know, we're in a, a nice house, and we we're all you know fine and all the rest of it. But people do focus a lot on the negative and they're like, you know, the kids are missing out on this, and you know, they're not getting enough social interaction and I do agree that they are missing out on stuff. But I also think that there are a lot of positive things that we're not talking about. Like this one-on-one time that I've had with my children to help them with certain things or even to have the opportunity to recognise that they might be struggling in different areas because I've mm. been so focused on them. And this bonding, this extra bonding time that we've all had, I mean, obviously it hasn't always been a process the whole way through, but I just think that this this time is going to set us up for a future that may have been better. Like we've all got a bit closer and it's been really lovely. I
0: love that. I love that so much. And you know, this is just the narrative. The very standard narrative is like, I've given up my dreams because I want to see my kids go to a great school and whatever. And then you end up being unhappy because you couldn't go after and be an entrepreneur and sort of live things a little bit more fluent. And I've seen this over and over, even with my partner's, um, her dad is like, you know, I gave up music because I had kids, you know, I gave up what I love because of you guys. But I think like the way that I grew up was like my, if my dad was going to go to a job and do something, he'd bring me and I'd learn so many things just being there. And I feel like I was more inspired seeing my parents chasing their dreams than I ever was from anything else. And I think that's the most important thing.
1: I totally agree with you. And I'm just thinking back on my own childhood as well. Um, my parents and my father was very, very career focused and I'm sure and, and competitive and I'm, I've definitely got his traits. And I'm sure I just absorbed all of that as he lived his life. And it, and he never kind of said, I'm not going to do this because of my kids. He was probably thinking, I'm going to do this because it's going to be better for my kids. You know, I'm going to get her here, and we'll move here and we'll do that. So, Yeah. I guess it's just different personalities and
0: Mm. beliefs. And I love it. Just to shift gears here, can you tell me a little bit about um, like the ups and downs you've had to overcome in the last few years, having a print business, having an online business like you do, because there's always like, it's so easy to look from the outside and go, oh yeah, like something's happening there, but there's always so much adversity that you have to sort of navigate through. And I just want to hear, I guess, like how high are are the highs and how low are the lows?
1: I think I mean there's always something with business, as you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, there's always, and I, that's really what business is. Business is basically dealing with problems, and that sounds negative, but, but that is really what it is. It's about problem solving. Then the, you know the next problem comes in, you figure out how to sort it out and you move on to the next one. It's constant. I think I'm a very, very positive, optimistic person. I've got the ability to look at most things and get over it pretty quickly. I've got a really good sense of humor. So often I'll kind of make a few jokes about it and and then I'll be like, okay, well, this has happened. I can't change it. So what can I control? Like, how can we get around this? Um, And I think that that has helped me so much over the past 18 months with COVID. Definitely the COVID, the last 18 months has been one of the most challenging things, obviously, for so many people. But then again, I think it's helped us get ahead as well. Like, I never would have launched the digital magazines had it not been for COVID, It was really great we we skipped an issue that first lockdown back in march 2020 when it first happened and my um i've got this amazing it consultant who i've had right since the beginning of my business and he's always worked for me but he's always been based in multiple countries all around the world and when covid hit he came home and he had to do two weeks quarantine and it was perfect because we um assessed what online platform we were going to do the digital mag on and we just built it and did it and we didn't produce the next issue. So we had three months and we just focused solely on that and launched it into the market. And it was one of the best things that we could have actually done for the business.
0: Can Sorry. I just say from an outsider perspective, I have seen you go from your back foot to your front foot so fast because there were so many businesses straight away that didn't pivot and they still haven't pivoted because they're waiting for something to go back to the way it used to be. It never um, will. It never will, right? And so... Mm. What's um, successful entrepreneurs, I always know, is they don't think something's going to go wrong. They expect something to go wrong. And the way that you handled and pivoted and changed so fast, it was kind of like you paused for a second, but then you just just kept the strides just sort of kept happening. And I loved that I seen that so, so quickly.
1: I actually believe that this time can actually be a time to get ahead. Like there are opportunities, so (laughs) many opportunities so we're very small we're very nimble um we have worked remotely for quite a while and a long time before COVID I've got you know a staff member in Sydney staff member in Queenstown my IT guy is back in New Zealand now but he was overseas my designer spent um she was in New Zealand but then she spent three years in Melbourne and then came back to New Zealand so we've always kind of worked remotely so we were quite protected when COVID happened and I've always kind of thought okay this is really shaking up the industry lots of people are freaking out what can we do to get ahead like there are opportunities here like people still want content. They want content more than ever before because they're sitting at home and locked in. Yeah. And you know, so what can we give them? What can we do? How can we get the content out there? How can we help our clients? You know, what can we do that's different? So I think you just always have to look for the opportunity and adversity.
0: Can I just um share something with the listeners? Yeah. Don't forget, guys, there's opportunity in change because if something doesn't change, it's hard to identify a new opportunity. So when there is a change, it means there's a (coughs) new change in the landscape. There's new change in who has the money, where money's getting transferred to, where people's attention goes to. And when there's something new, it means something else might die. But then it's up to us as entrepreneurs. It's like, where are we going to flourish or grow our new garden? And change really is, man, always, as soon as I've seen covid hit and other things i'm like there's change there's massive opportunity right there so would you agree on that
1: 100 yeah i mean obviously i wish it never ever happened but it's been good for us no we've managed to keep our head up we've managed to still push out the content people have needed to see all the love stories and the weddings and you know that gorgeous content is as escapism really so Mm. Um, Even though the physical magazine has been disrupted quite heavily, and that would be one of the biggest negatives that I've had to deal with, freight, shipping and air freight has just been completely turned upside down. So chaos, getting enough paper into the country, into New Zealand to print the magazine and then getting the finished product out again. We've been air freighting magazines to our international locations, which is Expensive. So so expensive. I, I think bricks would be the only other thing that would compare. You know, you've got a very low value product that's you. quite It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> so only fifteen dollars. You know, it's um, but we can't let our clients down and we can't let our readership down. So it's made mm. me sell harder to get advertising up to pay for that extra cost. And you know, we're all just sitting here hoping. But well, hopefully, we're about to ship it again soon.
0: Do you think um, when <laughs> you can do business well in the hard times, then you should be able to flourish in the good times?
1: Yes, but I don't think you can sit back and expect to do that. No, of course not. Yeah. So you always have to be kind of inventing and not relaxing.
0: Yeah. I think it's really interesting because I've been running like, um, as you know, like workshops since 2015 and I teach business, right? Mm. And prior to this, man, the industry, the wedding photography industry um, was in this massive bubble where if you had a camera and you had Instagram, you literally could just book out as much work all day, every day. And it was just, everyone was just growing, growing, growing. And so my services were like redundant because the world I learned business, man? And as soon as that something hit, the first thing they did was like, I need to actually learn business now. And so people kind of going back and yes, there's been, I personally know wedding photographers that have lost their businesses. They've given up, that's it. They've pivoted, they've changed careers, but there's so many people going back now and they're learning new skills and they're using this time to sort of um, expand when other people are contracting they're taking market share because yep. don't forget, everyone used to complain the market was oversaturated. So now there's like all these other restraints that we used to have that are now lifted as the new opportunities have presented
1: themselves. Totally. I mean, and look at that you were just talking about and, and you're a perfect example of this, like new things happen um, when there's a challenge. I mean, look at all the online learning and workshop type yeah. businesses and products and you know the demand for that. It's a whole new industry
0: it's so interesting. And yeah. I really hit it at the perfect time. And um, yeah. I actually had this really interesting post that's on my Facebook and I shared it with my community not too long ago, but in 2019, I did a post out to all my friends. And I said, I think in 2020, if it's not a recession, something big is happening. And I think if people are not changing and pivoting right now, just because going off market cycles, or was like, it's unsustainable what's happening right now. And there's going to be a big change. And that was the end of 2019. That's when I pivoted my business because I didn't know why, but I was like, something's happening. We need to go online and we need to like start going towards the future basically. So we changed that. And obviously the business struggled in 2019, start of 2020. And then all of a sudden, like we released everything. And then like probably that week COVID hit and our business took off. And I was like, it's interesting how you like as an entrepreneur and you know, cycles and you kind of see landscapes and how business works, you kind of, intuitive of like what's actually going to happen
1: i totally agree there, there is a cycle and the impacts are different so you know it could be a financial crash it could be a natural disaster it could be a pandemic yeah. but things always happen you know there's a cycle a time cycle it, you know, it varies a little bit from each event mm-hmm. to next but it doesn't go like this ever you know
0: no, that, and life, and that's it, the thing
1: yeah. it would be so boring like, if it did
0: yeah. And the thing is too, like, um, and this is an interesting thing from the start of COVID, everyone was like, oh yeah, but no one's spending any money before, like, because they got no work. And I'm like, everyone's still got money and they're not yeah. going out and spending their money on the things they used to spend your money on. So we've got to remember things like that. So if you start understanding humans and the way to behave and the way that they love to shop and, and things like that, you can sort of, I mean, Jeff Bezos, most richest man in the world because of the pandemic, because yeah. people know that people spend money
1: and it's interesting Like I've looked at the Because se- I have so many Different sectors In the magazine mm. We've got fashion We've got events We've got jewellery We've got all sorts And one thing I've really noticed In particular The jewellery sector Seems to be going to say that Incredibly strong Booming. And I think In New Zealand at least And, and Australia Apparently
0: <laughs> apparently, watches Are doing the same thing
1: Well all the people Who um, You know The affluent people Who may have Been spending Their summer In South France Every year You know mm-hmm. They're not spending That hundred grand In Europe They are going to the jewelry shop and they're buying watches and diamond earrings from what I can gather.
0: Yeah. So things are just, it's all still there. It's just, Mm. it goes into new hands and exchanges to new people sometimes. I'd love to ask you just like before we sort of move on a little bit, just for you, what is as an entrepreneur and as a creative entrepreneur like yourself, like what is your definition of success? And like, do you feel successful right now?
1: Um, I do. And I read a really great book. It was about redefining your success. Like we often get programmed to think that being the biggest and the best and the highest billing company is where we need to be to be successful. But it's not for me. I want to be able to be flexible. I want to be able to take time off to go to my kid's camp, um, I want to be able to go away myself, I want a job that allows me to travel, that's a little bit harder at the moment, such so as local travel but I want flexibility I think mm. for me is success so obviously I want to have a thriving business that makes money and you know is moving forward and allows and achieving. me, yeah. yeah and also not having financial stress, like I, for me I don't want to be stressing about having to pay own salaries or anything like that so I always like to make sure I've got a certain amount of money in the bank so that when things like COVID happen I never have to worry about that. And that's always the way that I've run my business. I don't get, I've had had no loans with Ticket the Journal. It's been driven solely off sales. And I have a bank buffer, which I've made from sales and I leave it there. And I like to keep it at a certain amount so that I don't get stressed. So financial security so that I'm not lying in bed. I hate owing people money. I'm quite well known as being the person who pays invoices, like literally Yesterday. the moment they have they hopped in my It's inbox. funny
0: because I'm exactly the same as you. Exactly. And
1: people do more for you as well. They'd love it. Yeah. Like writers and photographers that I work with are like, oh my God, like you are the fastest payer. If you want me to write anything else pay. for you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you hear about these bigger, massive multinational companies. I mean, I know myself from bringing. Photographer, sometimes it would be like four months before I'd get paid for a photography job from a media Mm. company. So, yeah, being able to do that, being financially stable in my business, being flexible to fit it around my family, and actually being able to do some things for my family too. Like, we will often write a honeymoon feature, and to do that, I'll go to Bali and the hotel will put up myself and my family and we'll have this really great holiday whilst I'm creating a feature and writing a story as well like I I love to be able to merge that kind of thing with my family life so that we have a better family life so yeah I like being nimble I like being small financial stability but really business on my terms and my family's terms
0: I love it. I love that you have your own definition of success and you can like easy tick those boxes. And I think not enough of us do that because we're trying to show other people the success, you know?
1: And I don't I want to stay small. You know, I work from yeah. home. I love it. I've got a little um, studio where I can shoot, but most of my time I'm out of the office at a client's place or on set. I don't need to have an office. And I just, I do love being small. I don't want to be the biggest magazine. I want to be a small niche magazine that Love operates it. the way that
0: they do. Hey, so let's talk about your magazine because I know there's so many listeners right now going like, oh man, like give me, give me some advice so I can get into <sighs> this magazine. You know, it's very prestigious to get published in the magazine and our listeners right now can vary from wedding photographers, videographers, jewelry makers, dress makers, like so many creative entrepreneurs. And, you know, we all dream of um, being published in the magazine so we can show our clients so we can create more desire around our brands and things like that. So I actually want to ask you from your standpoint of like, how can we improve our chances to actually get featured? And I probably want to share a couple little funny stories with that as well.
1: Okay. Um, I think <laughs> one of the key things that people have to remember is that each issue, we can only put 12 to 15 weddings in the magazine. So it's it's a very small number annually. It's tiny. And I get so many people emailing me, you know, why didn't this one get in or what can I do? And it goes back to being commercial. It costs me so much money to produce each issue, like hundreds of thousands of dollars when you look at the print bill, the freight bill, the staff bill, the design, like it is literally hundreds of thousands of dollars to produce each issue. So when I'm picking those weddings, the only thing, the the thing that I'm, I'm thinking about how it has to be beautiful, but I'm thinking about commercially the boxes it has to tick so i'm thinking about my market i'm thinking i mean obviously we we have a style and this is within the style so we have the together yeah. journal style and then within that bubble We want to look after certain brides and couples. Um, So like we want to have a city wedding. We want to have a country wedding. We want to make sure that we've got weddings from Australia, weddings from New Zealand and weddings from the Northern Hemisphere. We want to make sure that we've got elopements. Um, We want to make sure that we've got low budget weddings. And we've got all these boxes that we have to take to make the perfect combination of weddings that we know the market and, you know, will engage with and want to buy. So for example, if I didn't have a low-budget wedding in there, what's really going to entice a low-budget couple to buy the magazine? You mm. know, they might flip through it and go, this is all just too expensive. I can't relate to anything. Or you might have a, bo- a boho bride looking through and going, it's all classic and sophisticated. There's nothing boho. It's not for me and they'll leave it on the shelf. So when I'm saying no for weddings, it's not... Like, I know you've tried really hard and I know the wedding is beautiful. It it could just be the combination that I need. I may have just had so many boho weddings submitted to me this month and yours might be just as good as the one that I've picked, but I've already got one and I Mm. need to find these other boxes to fill. So do kind of understand that it is a commercial decision that has to be made or there would be no magazine that's the first thing and then the other thing is please just send me highlights galleries I get so many photographers sending me galleries of like 200 to 1200 photos and you scroll like it's it's like death by bulk gallery. <laughs> You know, it takes me <laughs> so long to look through this submission, and I almost like as soon as I see it, as soon as I open up the gallery, and it usually always starts with the getting ready shots of the guys. It's like,
0: yes, yeah, like, how many photos
1: do I need to see of the shows, of the tie, mm. of the you know? It's so boring, and it dilutes the work. I can't even get, I can't even be bothered scrolling to get to the portrait section. It's like, why mm. are you doing this to me? Often I'm looking at them at nine o'clock at night or whatever, and I'm like, this I can't even. I, I'm just going to close this email and look at another one. Like I can't even deal with it. So that would be my, you know, pick it like you're going to do a wedding album, and also have a look at the weddings online. Like I don't need to see any mm. family photos. I need to see maybe one or two of each side of the parties getting ready. Just put the wow images in there, and it will increase your chances so much.
0: So, moral of the story is don't make Greta work for.
1: <laughs> well, but remember, it is though. It no, is though, but you know? that's that's also it. But also. I get so many submissions. I'm looking at so many in a row. Like, wow me. Like, there are so many good weddings. So don't disadvantage yourself by having this gallery that's going to be, like, for the first three scrolls, like, men's socks and cologne, when I'm looking at another person who has sent in a highlights gallery, and I'm immediately, like, the first 20 photos are just like, wow, I can see that on the page. It's incredible.
0: I love that. It's it's so interesting because we don't think enough of this and we think about our own work and, you know, everything else. But it's so important. And I say this all the time, like if you're submitting anywhere, it's like make it easy for them, for you yeah. to be the right yeah. choice. Like the easier you make it, Again, business is about solving problems, just like Greta said before. But the more that you solve the problem on the other side of that email, the higher the chances are that you're going to be the person to work with.
1: And how are you going to stand out? That's the other thing. Like That's not going to compete with something I've got from, you know I don't know, Bailey and Moore, Danal Bahane, that's sitting there in a highlight gallery. It's like you just really just threw it away when you sent Mm. me that gallery with 800 images in it.
0: So here's a little funny story that I want to share with you. I'm very direct. You know, I am, I've been featured yeah. in Together Journal and I'm like on there. I'll tell you what my goals are. I'll tell you what's going on yeah. Um. and I'm all about it. And so I remember years ago, I had a friend and he was like, um, he's an illustrator and he mm. wanted to be featured in this magazine. That was a science magazine and he wanted the front cover. And so he, every month he would illustrate something new and then he would use their hashtag and he would tell me that like, hopefully one day they're going to see my stuff. And then I would say like, have you ever reached out to them and asked them what they actually want? he's like, no. I'm like, have you ever talked to them? He's like, no. I'm like, so are you hoping you're doing all this work and you're hoping one day they're going to stumble across your stuff. And he's like, yeah, and they will. That's my goal. Which is completely different to how I think about things, you know? So like everyone out there, it's like, are you going to have more chance to get featured if they actually, first of all, submit the wedding in and actually like reach out and, and go through your guidelines and see what they need to do, mm. opposed to hoping, wishing, praying, putting on the back burner. Maybe one day I'll get featured, but hasn't actually put in any action to make that happen. Mm.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's what I have to do to make sales as well. Like I can't just sell yourself. I can't just email out, you know, 50 emails and hope that someone calls me back to place an ad. That would be amazing. (laughs) But no, I've got to get on the phone. I've got to get in front of them. I've got to think about unique things that I could actually send them. Like I often send all sorts of kind of fun things, you know, physically to them to get their attention with the magazines. Like you just, you have to fight to get your place, really.
0: You do. Hmm. Hey, can I share a story with you going back to me doing that um, shoot for you a long time ago? So this just relates perfect right now because we're talking about fighting for your place. And um, if you know me, I've always been like the action taker that's going above and beyond trying to make as many things happen as possible. So I organized this workshop in Auckland, New Zealand. And when I, as soon as I did that, I started selling some tickets and then I realized I was going to be there for two days. And I was like, if I'm going to be there for two days or two and a half days, um, I need to make the most out of my time out of these tickets going to New Zealand. So contacted Greta and I was like, is there a shoot that we can do? Is there an, an editorial? Is there something that you need? I also contacted a few people that were engaged to see if I could meet with them to see if I could book them and stuff. And what was interesting, I actually ended up getting really sick on that trip. Like I was super sick and I did this workshop. And when I was in there, I was like teaching everybody. And I was like, I've never been, I don't feel like I've ever been as sick as I was. I couldn't even believe it, but I got through it all. But I was there for two and a half days. And what was interesting is other people who came in from Australia and stuff, people there learning from me, but whilst they're there and you know, they met a few people, learned a few things and then they went home, I came in and I taught two days straight, a workshop while I was sick. And then between that, I was having meetings with other vendors, other photographers, and then um, clients. And then between that, I was actually racing across town to go and do a shoot for you to make all that happen. And literally, I I don't even reckon I barely slept that whole trip. I, do, I didn't and even take
1: that you were sick. I didn't even. I know. And,
0: and yeah. then like I had, I headed home, but what's interesting is like out of all the people in that room, if people actually seen how much I showed up, to make my own break, to make things happen while other people are in Auckland, they're not even doing a shoot for you. I've got like a spare, you know, three hours. I'm like, okay, let, let's make this happen. And so I think it's so interesting how like, um, there's some people that will let an opportunity slip them by, but others like, you can see where their success comes from because they'll do what others are not willing to do no matter what. And they will make things happen. Yeah. So yeah, that was just like a cool little introduction to you and to um, and we actually also had a meeting, I think, we went and met at the cafe as well. Yeah, I'm we sure did. Might yeah, have been yeah, the yeah. same time. Yeah. So yeah, it was. all that in yeah. the span of like two and a half days, which yeah. is absolutely crazy.
1: you are got to make your own luck. And I remember when I was a wedding photographer, I would, I remember going out to the States and just trying to second shoot for all of these people that I loved. And it was the best thing ever to do, you know, never be too proud to second shoot or assist or, you know.
0: Absolutely. And that's the thing, like it's, um, if you're right now you're not shaking one more hand, if you're not submitting one more wedding, if you're not mm. talking to one more person, like business is not moving and no one's going to do anything for you, you've got to yeah. do it all yourself. So Yeah. Is there any last tips or anything? For instance, maybe not wedding photographers trying to submit in, but maybe a dress designer, maybe an invitation designer, if they're like, "Man, it's a bit harder for me because there's another layer because usually I have to be photographed by an amazing photographer to get into these magazines and stuff. But, um, for anyone trying to just get noticed,
1: yeah, I mean, we get. <laughs> yeah, I think it's all brands. So, you know, brand, the, business, yeah. The, yeah, the business is kind of, we have contributors and we have brands. But we A lot of brands submit stuff to us as well, like jewellery companies, fashion companies, homeware companies, gifting companies. Mm-hmm. And you'll see we have quite a strong lifestyle section on our website. We're in the inspiration section. We do. You,
0: you have know. a honeymoon section too, don't you? Yeah,
1: honeymoon, yeah. cocktails, jewellery, fashion. Awesome. So we recognize that a couple will buy, the magazine because they're getting married, but there's still a couple that might go on and buy a pair of earrings or shoes tomorrow. Like we have advertisers who advertise with us who aren't really technically wedding brands. Like most of our big brands like crane brothers and Karen Walker and Mm -hmm. people like that. And lots of beauty brands. They're not, wedding companies like they probably have 20% of their market is probably bought by couples or brides in particular when it's beauty and stuff like that but they recognize that okay this demographic which is a middle to high income demographic that it's quite sophisticated quite savvy they're going to pick up to get the journal on the shelf and they're going to flick through but they might see a pair of high heels that they want to wear on a Saturday night or a pair of earrings that they want to buy now or some face cream that they want to buy now so We've got a big audience that wants to see beyond wedding stuff.
0: It's awesome. I love that so much. And guys, if you're just listening right now and you're just thinking like, what am I learning from all this? Just remember like Greta's here. She's an entrepreneur. She's making her own break. She's doing the sales calls. She's getting her brand out to the world, getting a magazine into new places to sell a magazine and stuff like that. And that's how we need to act with our business as well, because no one's going to give us the opportunity. No one's going to reach out to you. We've really got to do that stuff ourselves. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think just look at it and I think, how can I, how can I use this downtime to improve? Like I might not be able to go out and shoot a wedding because of restrictions, but what can I do on social media? How can I engage with my community? What can I do for my future couples? What can I do for my past couples? Like maybe there's some content or some interviews that I can get out there or, you know, just have a really good scratch around and think, okay, this is an opportunity. What I can't do what I'm normally meant to do, but what can I do instead? How can I get ahead?
0: Where can we find your social media channels?
1: On the Together Journal website, they're all linked up. So the Instagram account is there. Pinterest has been really strong for us this last year. I think COVID's probably had something to do with that. A lot more planning time. Um, awesome. But yeah, to, togetherjournal.com and everything is, is linked on there.
0: And we can grab a magazine, digital copy and physical copy all from the... Yep. Um,
1: Absolutely, from the Every, everything is there, yeah.
0: And that's just togetherjournal.com?
1: Yeah, togetherjournal.com, exactly.
0: Okay. Thanks for being on the show. I'm going to put everything on the, in the show notes so that um, we can check out all the stuff that you're doing, check out the magazine and everything else. But Greta, I just want to say a huge thank you on behalf of myself and my audience for coming on here and sharing your knowledge. I know how busy you are and I know that you're doing a million things just like myself. So I really do appreciate you.
1: Oh, I just wanted to say thanks for having me. And also, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of crossover and a lot of your audience have been the people that have supported me over the last five years. So, you know, I'd like to thank them as well. And hopefully I can get out to Australia in the not too distant future. We used to come over all the time for shoots and to see people and we're dying to get back. We've got lots of clients and contributors there. so.
0: If Melbourne ever stops the earthquakes and the <laughs> lockdowns and everything, uh, we've got a studio here now, so you guys yeah. are more than welcome. M- Melbourne's that you can one use of my for f- all your shoots, like everything. So yeah,
1: Melbourne is one of my favorite cities in the whole world. I love it.
0: I love it. I can't wait to create with you. Talk to you soon. Cool.
1: Okay. Thanks, Jai. See you.